What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Ward of the Dad Up Podcast, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I am super excited about the guest that I have on today. But before we get to that, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get on with the show. Well, welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Uh, really excited for the guests that I have on. He and I have gotten a chance to kind of know each other through social media, obviously. But over the last couple of months, he and I have gotten a chance to know each other a little bit. I love what he's doing. I love the message that he's sharing. And I love the things that he's involved in. So um, I'm really excited to have my good friend Jordan Mendoza on Dad Up. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man. I appreciate you inviting me. I'm super excited to hopefully add value to your audience today. Awesome. Uh, for my listeners who may not know who you are, let's let let me hear a little backstory on you. Kind of, you know, your history of growing up, and then where it's led you today. And then, obviously, this is a dad podcast, so I want to hear about your family as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah, let's let's go with origin story. I think that's always a good place to start. You know, um, who were my influences growing up? And, and I think my biggest influence growing up was my mom. Uh, this is a, a woman who was born in the fifties with one lung. And uh, when that happened back in the 50s, they basically kind of wrote her life off. They said, listen, you're probably not going to live to be 18. You're right. probably not going to be able to have any kids. And, you know, basically good luck in life. That's kind of what they told my grandmother. And so, you know, my mom, you know, she was one of those people that took that hand of cards and, and kind of threw it out the window. She was super positive. Like you, you wouldn't tell that she had an ailment. She never used it as an excuse. She was... She, you know, taught us to be kind and empathetic, and I just saw those examples with somebody that did not have to be that way. She could have used every victim card known to man and just kind of used that and had that be the end of her story. But she ended up having five boys, right? Wow. So took that hand of cards and said, screw that. Actually, our, our youngest brother she had at 40 years old, which is crazy, and she actually ended up living to 54 years old at 53 uh, she ended up getting pneumonia, and that you know, made her heart, her kidneys, her lung, everything kind of just failed, man. It was and it was tough to see her go through that, and and uh, you know we lost her almost almost ten years ago next month. But you know, there's so many lessons, and I didn't realize um, some of the power in what she taught me until obviously you get a little older and you and you start to think back at you know, I start to think about like, why am I such a positive person? Because if, if I give you some of my origin story and you hear the things that I've experienced, most people would say, man, you have every reason to not be a happy person. You know, at fourth grade, got stung by 53 bees. That sucked. That was <laughs> pretty painful. And it was almost like a movie situation uh, during a fourth grade picnic. And Wow. But I survived that. I made made it through, and that was painful. Um, at twelve, I was beaten and falsely arrested by police. I, you know, had to take two public buses to school every day. I would stop at a Seven Eleven. I would put my quarter into Mortal Kombat Two, and I would play Mortal Kombat Two until my next bus came. And one day, I was waiting for the bus, and I heard the little bells chime like someone was coming in. A male's voice yells, "Hey, Daniel!" And I'm Jordan, so I just keep playing Mortal Kombat Two. And within about a minute. My body was lifted. I was punched in the side, thrown against a Terminator 2 pinball machine, uh, handcuffed, and thrown in the back of a cop car. And their story was I was a Hispanic runaway. Just, just spoiler alert, I'm not Hispanic. I know my last name is Mendoza, but my dad's actually from the Philippines. So I wasn't Hispanic. I wasn't a runaway. And my only saving grace, Brian, is I, 
I wasn't a great student, but I knew I did my homework the night before because I remember my mom was like ragging on me. And so I knew I did my homework. I asked the officer, I said, please reach in my pocket. And when I tell you, bro, he reached in, he grabbed the thing out. It said George Mendoza, and he looked like he saw a ghost because he, he knew he screwed up. You know, and it was one of those situations where the empathy that I learned from my mom really kicked in because I just said, listen, I don't want them to be able to have jobs. They need to lose their jobs. What they did was wrong, but I don't want this to be some long, drawn-out process. I just wanted, kind of wanted it to be over. And so I had that self-awareness at 12 to just say, hey, they shouldn't have jobs as police officers, but – uh, you know, I don't want this to be dragged on, you know, because it was about to turn into a big trial. And, you know, I wasn't really interested in dealing with that. And so that's another adversity experience, again, that I could look at a couple different ways. But it really taught me that no matter what position you're in, we, we all make mistakes. You know, we're all humans. We're in an imperfect world that's run by imperfect people, you know, and the sooner that you can realize that, the easier it is to have grace for other people. And I think the biggest one, man, that had the biggest impact at such an early age is when I was 19, I had uh, really from 14 until 19, I'd been doing sales all my life, door-to-door sales, telemarketing, really anything. If you had it, I could find someone to buy it. Like that, that was just my wheelhouse. And so I was in a sales job in California. We were traveling from California to New Jersey and in Wyoming, uh, I was in a Chevy King Cab truck with a couple other passengers. My buddy Jeremy was driving. It was like four in the morning and he fell asleep and so when he fell asleep uh the truck started sliding at north of 70 miles an hour he woke up he overcorrects and then we start flipping this truck's flipping it finally lands three of us get out our buddy actually got ejected from the driver's seat lands 25 yards from where the truck landed and our saving grace is there were five off-duty emts that just happened to be coming from colorado through wyoming from a conference that happened to just see the tail end of the wreck and so my buddy got life flighted to casper had to get have brain surgery he ends up making a full recovery after about a year i get uh taken to to Rollins I didn't even know I was injured until I reached on my right leg and my fist actually sunk into my leg I had a cut about a fist deep I had a it was 12 inches long my left leg at eight eight inches long I had 52 staples between two legs laser surgery and they told me I wouldn't walk and when I tell you man like I was a break dancer since 95 like I was in break dancing crews and so it was like everything in my mindset was like I'm going to figure out how to do this again and and I had a walker, I had a cane and a wheelchair and then I had crutches and within 6 months I made a full recovery. And wow. it's just crazy it's just crazy and so like from that day like I knew that there was there was a higher purpose for my life. Like I had already seen three experiences where I shouldn't even, and, and listen, I shouldn't even be here in the first place. My mom wasn't supposed to even be able to have kids, you know? So, so at 19, I kind of knew like there's, there's a purpose out there. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I was meant for more. Hmm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's let all that sink in. Right. Um, okay. So your mom, told she's not even going to have kids. She ends up having five at 12. You go through a pretty traumatic um, situation that can be scary for a 12 year old um, because they don't have, I mean, shoot, you have a cop coming in, pulling you away from something and essentially beating you up um, and throwing you in the back of the cop car. Uh, I want to know, because if I, if that happened to my kids, that happened to my boys, um, I, I'd be pretty angry as a, as a parent. Yeah. How did, how did your parents handle that? How did your oh, mom yeah. and dad? Yeah. Mom, mom was angry, you know, and, and honestly, 
she was pushing me for trial. Like I'll just be completely honest. She was. And, and there's, again, there, there was something inside of me that just said that wasn't the right thing to do. And ultimately it was, I at 12 had the power. Like this, th- this was my decision of whether we were going to, uh, I think ultimately she could have made the call to do it, but you know, for whatever reason, she also saw it in me that it's something that I didn't want to pursue. I didn't want to drag this thing on. Hmm. Okay. All right. So then you're, you're, you're going along, everything else is fine. And then you have this accident. Um, clearly you're right. Clearly there's a, there's a, uh, there's a reason that you went through these to get you to where you are today, to be honest. I mean, really yeah. is. Um, you went through all these traumatic experiences and sometimes kids, especially kids, kids don't understand, even at 19 years old, you're still a young man. Um, you don't understand that, hey, I know that what I'm going through sucks, but there's a reason for this. Did you really understand that at 19? Is that something that- No, uh, I definitely didn't get it. You know, it's funny just to give you a little backstory. So like me and a buddy of mine, Brandaris, we're in Utah. This is on that drive. And we almost got into a fist fight about who was going to be in that truck that got in the accident. And I remember like literally specific, I remember it so vividly that when I woke up, the first face I saw was my buddy. And I said, I'm glad it was me. Because I looked at the truck where it landed. If I wouldn't have been situated across the way I was seated, if I was sitting like normal people do, but because there was like luggage and stuff, I was sat sideways. If I would have been sitting over there, that whole area was smashed in. And so the first thought that came to my mind is like, maybe I won this argument for a reason. You know, maybe, you know, maybe it was I sh- because if he would have been in that car he would have been over there and he wouldn't have made it you know so i i literally that's what i kind of thought about when i saw him but but actually it, another conversation i had recently someone said do you think that you went through the experience because of that fight that you guys had and you were doing it to be a dominant person and so now you were being taught this lesson that you got to get your ego out of the way you know what i'm saying so there's there's a million ways that you can probably slice it um but i think one of those two ways uh, I, there was something I needed to learn for sure. Hmm. That's, that's awesome. Well, first of all, um, I'm sorry about the loss of your mom. Um, so my, you, you know, obviously my condolences, but, um, I mean, for you to go through those things, it's pretty, pretty remarkable to, to come out to where you are today and the person that you are today, because a lot of people would have thought that, you know, especially, like I said, younger kids would have been like, you know, my life is just, this is, this is the way my life goes and everything happens to me is negative. Uh, and you just kind of, you accepted it and, and found ways to, um, turn you in a direction that you, where you're at right now. And I think that like you had mentioned earlier in the conversation that that had really, you owe a lot of that to your mom and how she raised you and the type of person that she was. And I'm sure your dad too, the type of person that she was and how she raised you. Um, and for her to have five boys, that's awesome. Now I want to kind of dive into your, your own family. Cause yeah, Let's talk about your kids. How many kids you have, the ages? Yeah, so so it's funny because, and this is how God works, right? He, his, his timing's perfect. Like every his storytelling, when you just kind of put the dots together, it's just funny. So when I met my wife, you know, because she had some traumatic experiences and some things happened when she was a kid, she wasn't supposed to be able to have kids. And so like we're, we're literally three months into the relationship and um, and we're, you know, enjoying ourselves. She ends up getting pregnant. And she gets pregnant and I'm looking at her like, what about this no kid business? Like, what do you, what's up? You told me you weren't supposed to have any kids. Right. And, and then we end up having a miscarriage 
Mm-hmm. And man, you want to talk about a punch in the face? Because we had literally started coming to terms with, well, doctor said this. I guess they were wrong. Now we're gonna have a kid, and then the, it's the baby's gone. And man, that was a that was a tough thing to have to go through with someone. And then a few months later, after we had just come through the terms of kind of healing from that, uh, she gets pregnant with our oldest, Jaden, who's uh, now seventeen and is a junior. And, and then we end up having uh, four more. So, so like, look at it from this. Here's part of the story I didn't tell. In 1957, my grandmother was raped. Mm. In 1958, my mom was born with one lung, not supposed to be able to have kids, has five more. Then I meet a woman who's not supposed to be able to kids, and we have five kids. So we're, we're ten miracle babies into this journey, and we're not stopping there. You know what I'm saying? And so, it, you know, if that doesn't inspire somebody that's listening to this, you know, you can be dealt a hand. It doesn't mean that that's what the hand's going to turn out to be. Gosh, that's powerful. That's powerful. I mean, the fact, I mean, just going through the miscarriage can be, can be, you know, I've, I've, my wife and I've never gone through one, but I, I've talked to many dads that have, and um, it is, it is devastating to a point that, you know, some parents, you know, some, some, uh, couples choose not to have any kids after that because they're so, because it's such a tough loss. So devastated from that loss that it feels like, you know what, it's just not meant to be, we're just not meant to be parents. And so they choose not to, but the fact that you guys, you know, got through that and then moved on and ended up having five beautiful kids. Um, I've seen pictures on your social media of your kids, um, they're absolutely beautiful. You got a wonderful looking family and, uh, I'm sure that you're very proud, but, um, yeah. I do, I do want to talk about, um, some yeah. of the things that some of the dynamics that you went through because you have, yeah. you have a wide range of ages. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. 17 I was, I was sharing with, uh, sharing with somebody the other day. So we've got uh, one at home, one in preschool, one in elementary, one in middle and one in high school. Yeah, so so most people I tell that to, they just get tired just hearing that. They're like, you know, how do, how do you guys do it? You know, and and what's cool about having multiple kids and and having kids, we have two teenagers now. Well, well, now we actually have people that can help, right? With it, and so like one of the things that we do in our house is like we've got a chore chart. Like everyone has responsibilities. We we have a household of seven. Like your mom and dad can't do everything. So you be trying to teach somebody young age that listen, you've got these responsibilities. This is your section. If you guys want to mix it up or like trade each other or pay each other off to do it, that's fine. Here's the bottom line: it's got to get done. Because we just can't do everything, you know, like before. Yeah. When you have two kids and you live in an apartment, like it's like, oh, it's always clean. Yeah. Once you get into a house that's more than 3000 square feet (laughs) with seven people, it's like, holy crap. It's it's amazing how fast things can get crazy and messy. Right. Like literally just one kid runs across and goes from his clothes to his diaper. And all of a sudden there's this pile of mess all over the house you know so yeah. so you got to start getting uh systems and processes in place i think uh early you know yeah some people have good opinions some people have bad opinions about chore chart chore charts um but i think yep. they're great um especially if uh the kids are doing their part i mean if, if, right. they're, yeah. if they're still not following through on the chore chart then then that's another issue you got to tackle but you know you you've got kids that are you know from preschool all the way up to high school what what kind of challenges? Cause I mean, there's other than the chore, chore business, having yep. to keep, keep up their responsibilities. What kind of other challenges are you guys facing? Because they all have their independent lives, right? Yeah, Especially yeah. your older ones. They're wanting to be out on their own. They're wanting to hang out with their friends. They're wanting to, you know, play sports, all that kind of stuff. 
what kind of challenges are you guys facing? Yeah, right I mean, now? and man, it's the it's the balance, right? Ba- trying to balance the day to day. So you know, I was telling someone the other day, you know, if you if you start your day with firm foundations, you know, like for me that looks like, you know, my uh, U version app, right, and meditating, and, and and then spending time with my wife, and then making sure I'm spending time with my kids. If you can start your day with those intentions, then things really just start to fall in place because you've actually you know put the important things first. And that's something that's really important to us is that we make sure that we're budgeting and prioritizing that time because like my days, and I tell people this and they're just like, how do you get it all done? Like I don't, my days end at 4 p.m. Eastern, you know, because the reason why is when I was in corporate, I I was traveling 10 days a month. And so I usually, if I saw the kids, it was early in the morning or late at night. So now it's like, I want to invest in them early. And then I also want to be around and be present and have that time that I feel like I missed in corporate America where I had to kind of be on the road and on their agenda. Well, now I set my agenda around the family, not the other way around. Mm, Yeah, Um, that's fine. It's important. Finding balance for sure. Um, I think what dads don't realize, and I, you know, I talk about this on my show, but dads don't realize that um, you can't just come home from the end of the day uh, at the office and expect to just chill out and sit down yeah. and relax. Yeah. You have to have what I like to refer to is you have to have enough, enough fuel in the tank to where you can fulfill, you know, the needs of your, your spouse, the needs of the house and the needs of your kids. Um, because we're, listen, we're gone most of the hours of the day and the little bit of time that we do have with them in the evening time or in the early morning, those are important times. Those are bonding times. And so it's important for dads to understand that, you know, we have to maintain that level of um, energy for them. And I'm sure for you being an entrepreneur um, with five kids and they all have, they're all independent. They all have their own personalities. They're all doing their own activities. You and your wife have to really coordinate that. I know for me and my spouse, you know, what we've done is we've made it a habit that, you know, Sunday evenings, um, we still do this now, but it's Sunday evenings. We sit down and talk about what do we have coming up this week? that each of us have going on. So that way we can coordinate what we're going to do family time. What's, you know, what do we have coming up for with our boys that we got to take care of what personal things that we have to take care of, like my podcast or, you know, other things that I have going on and same with her. So we kind of get those ideas in our heads of, okay, how are we going to coordinate on our family time or, you know, our time, my wife and I's time. Right. So um, yeah, we do that every Sunday evening. We just, just a few minutes, just a few minute conversation. We don't write anything down. If there's things I have to remember, I do write them down. I put it in my phone, but uh, you know, we don't like keep a chart or a calendar or anything. We just keep an idea of what days we have things going on. So it's important to find that balance. And I'm sure you would agree with that. Yeah. And, and one of the things that is important for us too, is like making sure that we're staying plugged in and connected. So actually like our schedule revolves around obviously family activities, but you know, serving like, you know, I, I lead connect group. I lead small groups with men that, that I'm teaching them about business and uh, about their faith. So there's all of those things. So like there isn't a day of the week where we don't have things going on, but everybody knows what's going on. You know, whether that's someone's got to get to a, a, a practice cause they're on the worship team or someone's got to get to their job or whatever. But you know, being an entrepreneur, the way that I looked at it is, I am dictating my time, right? I'm dictating when I'm going to show up, where I'm going to show up. And so you have to prioritize the important, you know, you got to prioritize those things. And like, so now I know for me, it's 7am walking my 10 year old to the bus stop and having that time with her and being able to hang and then taking my preschooler up and racing him up the stairs 
and him letting him always win, you know, to the top of the stairs to get him to his preschool. You know, like those are things that I know I will never get back, you know, if I don't do those. So I try to make uh, those priorities, you know, and I think once you can kind of look at your day like that, like these are my non-negotiables, these are things that I'm definitely going to do versus and these are my, you know, kind of like how Meltzer talks about it. These are the activities I get paid for and these are the activities I don't, right? And when you can kind of look at it that way, um, your days are always going to be good. Mm. Yeah, and, and I love that. Non-negotiables, it was something that was uh, important to me as well. I grew up in a, in a house that, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. My parents didn't have a lot of money. Um, they worked long hours and it was just, uh, you know, I had one sister and, my parents, I, you know, I tell people this all the time and they're blown away, but my parents, I can count on one hand. I played sports in high school. I can count on, and all, all growing up through elementary and all that, I can count on one hand how many games that they actually made because they couldn't, yeah. because they were working. And that's not a knock on them. They had to do what they had to do in yeah. order to provide for my sister and I, right? So it was something that they just had to do. Um, and a lot of parents don't aren't given the freedom to walk their kid to the bus yep. or take their kid to preschool um, or be at their sporting event. Um, but it was a non-negotiable for me. When my wife and I started having kids, I was committed to being at everything that my boys did. Coached, uh, coached all their sports all the way up through high school. Um, I went to all their, I mean, everything. I was there. Um, and it was just a non-negotiable for me. And I work a corporate job. So I work a job that if, if it didn't allow me that flexibility to be there for my kids, I would have found another job or I would have done something different. I just been fortunate enough in the company that I work for that they've been very open and let me do what I need to do um, as long as my job's done and, and my work does get done. So um, it's super important. And I think for parents, you know, it, you know I coach, coach high school basketball and I see kids that I coach playing in a game and I tell parents this, listen, kids are playing in a game. They're not looking up in the stands to see all the fans. They're looking up in the stands to yeah. look for you. They want to see you. Yeah. And, uh, and if you're not there, that takes a little piece from them. And I have players that of parent, I have parents of players that I've never met. And it's, it, it may, it's hard for me to, to witness, but it's one of the reasons why I coach is because I want to pour into these young men's lives. Yeah and help them be, um, help them be productive. So, um, awesome. Um, gosh, I mean, there's a million questions that we can go through that I think of when I'm thinking about that wide range of kids, but one of the, one of the questions that came up to me, just came up to me the other day. And I think it's really good, a really important question for you that I want to ask is trust right now. You've got a 17 year old. What are the ages of the other ones again? 17, 13, 10, five and 19 months. Okay. So you've got a 17-year-old, a 13-year-old, and now even possibly the 10-year-old that are really independent. They're really trying to find who they are as a person. And they're really wanting to branch out from mom and dad and start to take on things and start to do things by themselves, uh, whether it's activities with friends, sports, or you know, around the house, whatever it is. But I had a parent ask, how do my child thinks that I don't trust them? How do I build that trust with them? I know what, what I did as a parent, but yeah. I'm, uh, I want to know from you the advice that you could give to parents. How do you build that trust with your kids? How do yeah. you help them understand how to trust you and you to trust them? Well, you know, I think the first thing is you know, standing on your word. And I think that's super important because 
as we know, when, when that happens, the, the trust goes out the window, right? If you say, if you commit to something, uh, and this is something my wife has been really, really pounding into my head because I, you know, when, so, when you got as many as we do and you got one and this and, and I'll just be like, yeah, you know, and then uh, you know, she'll remind me of what the heck I said. You better believe it. And it could have been last Tuesday at 9 p.m. And I just said, yeah, but she is not forgetting it. Right. You've you've seen this happen before. And so it's, it's important that whatever you say that you do, right, that you stick to that because that is showing them who you are, who, where your character's at. And if you, every time you say something and it doesn't come to fruition, that trust is going to go out the window too. And it's going to be very hard to get that back. Um, you know, it, so my 17 year old, and he'll probably kill me that I'm telling you guys this, but I think it's super important. So he just, uh, just had a, a breakup, you know, he just had his girlfriend break up with them and, and they'd been together about a year, and uh, and you know I think he maybe thought the relationship was further than she was, and she said it's because she wants to, she's a senior and she's trying to focus on college, and she just can't get her mind right that it's a distraction to be in a relationship. And you know I was so pumped that he finally, at seventeen, right, seven, he's like in the mystery, working at Chick Fil A, he's making his own money now, he's super independent, but just seeing him come up broken. And coming mm -hmm. for mom and dad, you know, and and you know, sobbing, and then just coming to us for that nurturing and support, you know, that showed me that we'd build that trust. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't really until that point earlier this week where I said, okay, maybe we're doing a couple things right. I know we're not doing everything right. I know we're not the best parent. Like, you know, as parents, you know, we're hard on ourselves. But the fact that he came to us and he just, you know, let it all out, and we let him let him get the emotions out, and then we just said, listen, I said. He's like, I don't know if I can go see her at school. I said, listen, you can take a day, but that's it. Because this this does not end your future today. This is just a, a, a roadblock that you're facing. You don't know why, but I can guarantee you this. You had nothing to do with this. This was her decision, so we need to let her figure her things out. I said, uh, I don't even know if you know this, but uh, your mom, two weeks before her 21st birthday, she broke up with me and left. <laughs> like he did, he hadn't heard the story. Like she literally, I told her I loved her after three months and it was after the miscarriage, you know, and, and cause I did, I felt like I did and she freaking bailed, bro. Like she just bailed and went back to her hometown. And so I said, you know, if you love someone, you got to let them go. Uh, and if it's meant to be, then they, then there's a chance that they come back. So I was able to actually kind of give him a teachable moment from an actual experience that I had with his mom you know, almost 19 years ago, you know, and I think that was a little encouraging him, whether he realizes it today or not, but hopefully it adds value to, you know, what he's going through. Yeah. Wow. That's a good story. And uh, yeah, you're right. He's probably going to kill you uh, that you told that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, but no, it, it is important for us to um, be true to our word. Uh, you know, I've, I've told my boys, you know, since they were little kids, I don't care what it is that that you've done wrong or right, I'm going to be in your corner 100%. I'm going to be right there to help you, support you, guide you. I'm full in, like I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard. So uh, if there's ever a time that you're going through something that you just don't know how to get out of it, you can come to me. And if it's just an ear, sometimes kids just want to want you to hear them. Yeah. They don't need advice. They just want you to hear them. They need to vent. And I've told my boys, if it's just for me to just listen to you, I'll listen. If you want my opinion, my guidance, uh, I'll give it to you. 
Um, but I will always be there for you. So it sounds like you've, you and your wife both have developed that relationship with your son. And I'm sure with the rest of your kids as well, but with your son, especially going to, that's a tough thing for a young man to go yeah. through, especially his first one. That's a tough thing. To, and we all go through it, right? I mean, uh, uh, young men and young women, they're going to experience something like that in their lives. Yeah. Um, and it's just part of life. And the fact that you guys have that kind of relationship is really, really cool. And that makes, that warms my heart. It really does. Cause those kind of stories, even though your son may not want you to tell it, the <laughs> fact that you, the fact that you shared it, um, shows that you're aware of it and you're aware of the relationship that you have with your son. And, and he's aware of it too, because he wouldn't have come and talked to you if he wasn't. I had some yeah. situations with my boys. My son was going through something as a freshman and I could tell he just wasn't himself. And I kept trying to talk to him about it. And at first he didn't want to talk about it. He just wanted to kind of keep to himself. And I let him be, I didn't, I didn't like drill him, but yeah. I let him be. I just asked him a couple questions. And then a day later I asked him a couple questions and I could tell he just wanted to be left alone. And finally he came to us. And it was a situation that we had to fix. He couldn't fix. It was actually something that his mom and I had to fix. And we took care of it immediately, took care of it, handled it. And I can guarantee you, he will thank me to this day because we did that for him. So yeah. those kind of relationships are what we're trying to do as parents. We're not trying to, I mean, they are, they're little adults, right? They're little adults. And we're not trying to steer them in the direction that we want them to go. We want them to be independent. We want them to build their own yeah. lives. All we're there to is just give them support guidance, food, clothing, and safety. That's what yeah. we're there for. And, and love, love most important. So um, really, really, really cool. Um, how about your younger kids though? You got a 13 year old that is- yep. uh, She's a seventh grader, I, man. That's, I could say I, a lot about a 13 year old. Yeah, so 13 year old girls are not my favorite cup of tea. It's like, you know, she, she sees me when she wants something. It's a, you know, and she's an introvert too. So she's you know, in her room reading books, hanging with her friends. Um, and so, you know, I think from, you know, once she hit that 13, it's like, dad's just, dad is the wallet, you know, <laughs> that's like, that's what I feel like to my 13 year old, you know? Um, but no, she's a, she's a great kid. She's a straight A, like, we don't have to worry about things with her. She's the one that like, you know, is going to college, you know, there's just certain kids that you just know where they're going to be and, and, and like that. And that's, that's our 13 year old. She's just super, super independent. Um, she's kind of more quiet and reserved, but she's also, she loves to sing. She's on the worship team. So she's on stage doing that stuff, but it's really been kind of cool to see her, her personality shine. And that's really been in using her, her voice to, for singing and stuff like that. Um, but our 10 year old man, she's the one that wears me out the most because she's probably a spitting image of me at 10, which is super hyper questions. Everything always has an, a response, you know what I'm saying? And, and doesn't think before she speaks. So, so her and I, we literally bump heads and my wife all the time is like, you guys need to spend more time. And so that's, that's why the 7am buck bus stop walks, right? I'm trying to cultivate more of a rela relationship with her because you know, if you bump heads with one, then you're always, it's always just kind of like this, this bicker fest and it doesn't add value to anybody. Uh, you know, so she is, she's like my hard one. Uh, my five-year-old is like, He's like me too, but he's the, the kid. I've finally got a kid. I'm teaching how to break dance, which I'm super excited about. So if anyone's watching this, you can um, – actually, every Sunday now on LinkedIn, I'm doing a new series called Sunday Breaks, and it's going to be me breakdancing and just showing my journey back into breakdancing at 40 cool. – be 41 tomorrow. So at 40 years old, I'm – you know, redoing what I did for 10 years, you know, at 15 to 25. Um, 
so it's it's been it's fun though because he actually is learning it and i'm actually seeing him get better every day and that's something i tried with my 17 year old and he just never wanted like my wife's like you finally got a break dancer that you could teach you know so it's been fun with him and he and this kid like natural athlete he's good at you put anything in his hand the kid is instantly good at it baseball soccer football he's like ninja warrior stuff so he's he's the one that he, we're gonna have him probably try out every sport and then we get the wild the wild card of the family which is our youngest Braylon so my I found out my grandfather had a blonde hair blue eyes and my wife's uh, great this great-grandfather and my wife's did so our son he comes out with blonde hair and blue eyes all the other kids brown hair brown eyes i'm brown hair br black hair brown eyes my wife and then he has bright blue eyes and blonde hair we're just like where did this did the stork drop this kid off like where did he come from you know but he looks exactly like everybody else except for those two features mm. so it's really cool and he is just when i tell you you know how each kid just gets more advanced you know, like the one, you know, one right. as you're babying, then it's like, no, no. And then the next one, it's like, oh, let them eat the dirt on the ground. And then right. the next one, it's like, where are they at? Like, I don't, who knows? They're okay. You know, and so each one, you just kind of get more comfortable. Well, this one, he just looked at, he just kind of looks around and he just will, he will go at 19 months to our dining room, grab a chair, drag it across the kitchen, put it up to the fridge, get his own ice and water get down, put the chair back, and then just walk around with his cup. It's like, what are you, a robot baby? Like, where does this come from? And it's, he's seeing the examples of everybody else's climbing up the, like, he's been climbing up the stairs since he was one, right? Why? Because he's seeing everybody else do it. And so it's very interesting to just see how each of the kids, you talk about personalities, all of them have different personalities, but this kid is like next level, you know, <laughs> like he's just next level above every talk first, walk first, crawl. He just did all of it because he has six examples of other people doing it. Right. No examples are, you know, I talk about that too. I mean, we set the examples for our kids, uh, regardless of their age and you're just proof right there. I mean, he's 19 months old and he's seeing everybody else do it. Mm -hmm. I've told parents, whether they're, whether they're a year old or, or, or 15 years old, they're still watching and seeing everything that you're doing and they're yep. going to mimic you. And 100%. the fact that the fact that he's kind of mimicking everybody in the house, especially his older brothers and sisters, he idolizes them. Yeah. So he wants to do yeah. everything they're doing. You might have another break dancer on your hands there. But <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. If I can but, get two uh, out of three, I'd be pretty pumped. So <laughs> that's cool. Um, I, 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 I'm dying to see the break dancing stuff. I mean, break dancing was kind of, I was into break dancing too. When I was in elementary, we had, I can't remember it. We still had, we'd go out on the baseball field and form a little circle. And then we'd be calling each other out doing our thing. And then, you know, as I got older, you know, it seemed like breakdancing kind of went, kind of went away and it kind of just kind of faded off and it, there was little bits of it here and there, but it pretty much went away. And now it seems like it's really coming back over the last couple of years. It's been really coming back. Um, so that's cool. I'm, I'm dying to see that stuff. Uh, very cool. Well, listen, uh, Jordan, I've taken so much of your time already um, for my listeners uh, viewers, they want to look you up, learn a little bit more about you. Where can they do that? The best place for them to do that? Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably the easiest place is if you just Google um, "Blaze Your Own Trail" podcast. Um, you'll you'll find us. We're on every platform. Uh, I like to point people there because we're doing similar things to you, where we're interviewing people from around the world that have blazed their own trail, and we're literally diving in to figure out how they did it. You know, what were the bumps in the roads? What were the trials and errors? And you get to really learn 
through their journey. And then also there's some teachable moments where you might be able to take some extractions from their expertise and apply it to your business or apply it to your everyday life. So uh, definitely going to want to have you on, Brian. And, and oh, I'd love it. Your story out there. Uh, and then also if you just go to jordanjmendoza.com, that's just kind of like a, a – a landing page for me where it talks a little bit about uh, what I do from a consulting standpoint. Um, you can download some free resources, check out the podcast, the YouTube channel, uh, just from jordanjmendoza.com. And if there's any way I can add value to your listeners, uh, re reach out. I'm very accessible on social media. Just send me a message. I love connecting and, and, and hopefully uh, building relationships. That's what I'm all about. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, um, it's been a huge honor, pleasure to have you on. I'm glad we've gotten a chance to connect. I'm looking forward to kind of growing this friendship um, over over the next couple of years. I'm, I'm really excited for the things that you're doing and um, just really looking forward to just building our friendship. So thank you very much for being on, brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. And, and thanks so much for the invite. Awesome. Thank you guys very much for joining me on Dad Up. Thanks to Jordan for joining me. Make sure you guys are checking out his website, his podcast, his social media. Give him a follow, subscribe to his channel. And listen, don't forget to subscribe to mine. Sub subscribe, listen, follow, leave a rating, leave a review. And we will see you guys on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dad Up. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel. And do me a favor, leave me a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you to see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes coming up each and every week. Thank you for listening. This is Data.